time to set foot inside the morgue with your hosts, Lee, Carl, and Rob. I'm a walking in the rain, tears are falling and I feel a pain, wishing you were here by me, to end this misery, I wonder... Conspiracy has begun. Heard of a bullet that has your name on it? This isn't a runaway. This is murder. And someone has to stop the madman who started it all. What does it take to get through to you? He sees everything. He knows everything that's going on in here. Tom Selleck, Cynthia Rhodes, Gene Simmons, Runaway, rated PG-13, starts Friday at a theater near you. And good evening and welcome to another episode of the Manchester Movie Mark. Tonight's uh, film is 1984 Runway with Tom Selleck, which uh, I'll talk about soon. It's one of my, it was one of my childhood favourites. That may have changed by the end of tonight. Um, <laughs> it probably has changed, actually. It's been 30 years. Liam Rob, can I just ask you before we go any further yeah. as well? When you, when you did the search for Runaway Movie... Um, how many films came up? I mean, there's 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 a billion films called Runaway, and there's other things yeah. that came up as well, like Runaway Jewelry, Runaway Train. It's some uh, weird shit with Kanye West keeps on popping up. Every time I type in Runaway, Kanye West appears. I don't know whether he's took over the internet or whether he's uh, he's like bored he the word Runaway. Definitely. <laughs> I mean that that picture they always show of him like kind of stroking his beard, looking evil. I can imagine him. Uh, I can imagine him doing that. Maybe he's got a film called Runaway that didn't get released. You know, like Michael Flatley's um, film, perhaps. <laughs> uh, but who knows? It, Sorry, yeah, I digress. Yeah, yeah. No, you don't. But no, the fact is, to find the film originally, I did have to. I had to type in the year it was released. So I had to type in Runaway nineteen eighty four, which is like the yeah. is what Wikipedia they always do, don't they? But um, yeah. yeah, before we get started, we'll do the usual. We'll we'll go around the table and we'll uh, talk about what we've been there. If we've seen anything interesting or something not too interesting uh, um, ourselves. So I'll go to Cal first. What, it's all, what have you caught anything recently? I must say my opportunities have been a bit limited uh, this last week or so. Um, but I've been I've been following through with uh, season two of Cobra Kai, which I'm still enjoying, although it's unravelling very slightly, but I'm, I'm sticking with it. And uh, yeah, on, on Prime, something I kind of caught by accident the other night just by flicking around on, on Prime as you do, seeing what kind of old films are on there. There's a documentary called Fulci, for fake and it's about the italian horror director lucio fulci and it's basically comprised of interviews with his you know his colleagues his special effects man the guy did his music for films like you know zombie flesh eaters house by the cemetery the beyond uh, and all these kind of uh, revered classics and um, also interviews with uh, with his daughter mainly with his um, his youngest daughter very very interesting and i have to say i've not really dipped into the work of lucio fulci for a long time but i thought it was a really good Really interesting uh, documentary. Yeah, it was one of those where you know I thought, oh, I'll see what it's like for five or ten minutes, and I ended up watching the whole thing. So, faults you for fake. Uh, highly recommended. Yes. Okay, so so Lee, what about yourself? Anything? Yeah, the only I've been mainly watching TV, but the only film I watched this week was uh, Boss Level, which uh, stars Mel Gibson, and it's a 
Groundhog Day style movie, kind of a bit like being in the computer game. He's kind of like trapped in this scenario where he wakes up every day with somebody trying to kill him in bed and he's got to work out how to, you know, who's trying to kill him, etc. And uh, each, it, it lacks any of the comedy that you get in, say, Groundhog Day and it's not really yeah, done, yeah. you know, it's pretty bland really. It's another Mel Gibson churn out movie. <laughs> I wouldn't really bother. I wouldn't wish watching this on the worst enemy really but I, I almost turned it off after 15 minutes and i regret uh, not turning it off beyond that i've just been really getting into uh, the show alone which is a tv show where they drop uh, contestants on an island and they have to survive on their own in the elements and build themselves a shelter and catch fish and there's this 10 series of it it's brilliant tv uh, i'm on series four at the moment so i recommend getting stuck into that if you're struggling for something to watch What's what's it on, Lee, uh, alone? How do we find that one? Uh, it's on, uh, I think it's History Channel, but I kind of watch it through, uh, yeah, sort of dodgy streams and stuff, but it is on History Channel, channel I think. Edit that bit out later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> History Channel, which I'm a, a full subscriber yeah, of, yeah. Just, just leave it there, yeah. <laughs> and uh, Rob, myself, uh, what have you been yeah. watching this week? Yeah, I've actually, I've also uh, dived into the world of Mel Gibson as well. I've, I went to, I saw um, Fat World. Man. Yes. Yeah, Fat Man, which is not anti-Semitic in it, uh, like in real, but <laughs> Fat Man is, um, it's a dark, it's supposed to be, I think it's supposed to be a dark comedy. Um, it's about what happens if uh, Father Christmas, you know, is just basically just a disgruntled everyday man. He's basically like a bit of a drunk, a bit of a slob, and he's he's giving up on Christmas to himself. I mean, it's a bit like Bad Santa in that sense, but he's living in this like alternate, just like Northern America, and he's like, uh, he's driving a pickup truck and drinking and about the first hour of the film is that. It's just him quite curmudgeonly and miserable. And then there's, it's got another side story in it of this kid who's really spoiled and horrible. He's trying to poison his aunt and writing checks under her name. And he um, he actually uh, uh, receives a, a lump of coal off uh, the fat man off Santa on Christmas Day. And he, uh, of course, because he's got contacts, this horrible kid, he hires a contract killer to go out to kill the fat man. And that's that's what the trailer is, and the trailer makes it look like a laugh a minute, you know, amazing ride this thing. But trust me, it's not it's not there. It's it's just uh, it's you what it's it, it it wavers between ultra serious and just boring. The Mel Gibson Renaissance isn't isn't quite happening yet. Judging by judging by your your comments this week. No, I think he should go back to his Bible stuff. I was saying to Rob, has he had some sort of divorce that he's trying to pay for again, some new one or something? It does seem to be churning out the movies. It seems to be in everything, isn't it, that's come out in 2020? Yeah, it's, it's um, yeah. I mean, it's one of those, actually. If you, if you cast him right, you know, if like Tarantino could save him or somebody could save him, because he has got acting chops and he can do it. Um, and he's got, he has got some screen presence, but he's just, he just keeps on picking complete doozies now. The other one I watched, which was, was great actually, is Brandon Cronenberg's film Possessor, the uncut version. And if you've seen his father's work and things like Scammers with heads exploding, I mean, this film is about um, a contract killer who basically puts her mind into other people's bodies and um, and then she commits killings. And then when she commits the killing, she then kills the host and then returns back to her own body. And it is the most... Yeah, it's, it's going to stay with me for a long time. It's it's pretty graphic. Even in the first five minutes, you gallons of blood. And every time, there's, if there's something like a stabbing, you see that knife go in. It's, uh, yeah, it's rough. But um, it's, it's good. It's really good. I'd recommend it. 
Right, we'll go on to tonight. So tonight, so Runaway, 1984. Now, I I, um, I hope some people do go and watch this, you know, after listening to this. But uh, for me, this is a film I saw as a kid, so that's why I chose it. And I've not seen it probably since about maybe 1990 or something, a long time ago. So, um, yeah, it's it's changed in my mind since then. But uh, So here's the plot, okay? In an advanced society, robots perform everyday menial jobs. And then we're introduced to Sergeant Jack Ramsey, played by Mustachioed Lafario Tom Selleck, who's an ex, who's an ex cop. Now he's an ex cop because he quit the force, and we know this is going to come into the plot later. He quit the force because he's got a fear of heights, uh, and due to the fear of heights, he's now an expert in rogue machines. He works in the technology department, and he and he chases these rogue machines, and he works uh, he chases runaways. And this is like one of the first eight thousand times they say runaways in the film. Run away. Um, Jack is also a convenient widow, and he's got, um, which is helped for love interest later in the film. And he's also got a uh, probably like a, I'd say nine, ten year old son in the film who's called Bobby, um, played by Joey Kramer, <laughs> known for Flight of the Navigator. Now, when he and his uh, he gets assigned a new partner, Karen Thompson, who's uh, played by Cynthia Rhodes, you probably would know us uh, from. Dirty Dancing. She was uh, the main squeeze of uh, Patrick Swayze's character in it. And he investigates, uh, so him and his new partner investigate a robot-involved homicide, and they discover through this strange computer chips, and that shock somebody's programming the robots to kill. They're no longer our friends. So, <laughs> so Jack, <laughs> Jack must find who is behind the murder before any more damage can be done. Now, at this point, we enter Gene Simmons, now, this is Gene Simmons. He's playing Dr. Charles Luther, and he chews the scene from minute one. And he's armed with a heat seek. He's got a heat seeking gun, and he's just got a sneer that could kill. And he's none too pleased at, um, at Jack Ramsey's involvement and plans to stop him from getting his chips because these microchips he wants to sell to the highest bidder and he wants to uh, make money off it, of course. And then, of course, when Jack gets in the way, then in the crossfires, in the crosshairs, sorry, Jack's son inevitably gets involved, leading to a big showdown at a, a high-rise building site where, of course, our hero, Jack, must overcome his fears and climb that building to, to face off and rescue his son. And that's uh, lots involved in this film. I mean, there's killer spiders, there's technology dripping. Uh, the technology's not aged greatly, um, but there's lots to talk about with it. So I'll go to you guys. So what, what was your initial impression of uh, you guys when you saw it after this time? Well, I, I like you, Rob. Um, I didn't see this when it came out in the 80s, but it was one of those um, video titles that was always in the video rental shop. You always, uh, so I, I remember the cover distinctly with um, Tom Selleck holding the um, the the gun that kind of uh, fires the heat-seeking bullets, which, of course, he doesn't use at all in the film. So I, I do remember it kind of... It's a, a VHS-era film, and I think the first time I saw it was... Um, when the UK broadcaster Channel Five first started, about I don't know twenty years ago, they they would pepper their weekend schedules with uh, with with like old films uh, or, yeah, or films yeah. from like the the eighties and the nineties. And uh, Runaway popped up one Friday, and and that's when I watched it. And my recollection of it back then was, I thought, yeah, it's a, it's an okay film with um, you know some some interesting ideas. I think that's partially true today, but I'm 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 not sure about it um, generally uh, as a film. 
Um, I don't know, Lee. What what did you think about Runaway? Or how have you, were you aware of it? I was not aware of it, but I'm not surprised if you, if you look at the films that came out in '84, it would have been swamped by so many of these big titles: Karate Kid, Terminator. Uh, Dune, mm. Dremelins, Indiana Jones, Ghostbusters, yeah, Sixteen Cancel- Candles, Once Upon a Time in America. So Terminator is pretty much uh, it's, it's kind of a competition, isn't it? It's, it's mm. that kind of similar kind of movie, really. But I think Terminator takes itself a bit more seriously. For all the titles you mentioned, I would say Runaway is is not as good as any of them. No. <laughs> so it's it's little wonder, really, that I. I I did read somewhere that Columbia, I think the studio that that made it, were um, they looked at it and were kind of reluctant to uh, to push it as 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 much as mm. they thought they might have done uh, originally. And I know in the UK, they actually mm. waited to release it in more or less an entire year. Uh, yeah, it didn't come out yeah. in the UK till 1985, presumably when they thought the schedule mm. would be quieter. But I mean, even 1985 in the UK, you had Back to the Future and probably other films beside that. Yeah, so um, yeah, I don't think the studio had much much confidence in it. In fact, I don't think I've seen a movie with Tom Selleck in. I think the only thing I'd really seen him in is maybe Blue Bloods, uh, obviously Magnum PI, uh, mainly his TV. Uh, so I've associated him with with TV acting. So it's a bit of a surprise. I couldn't really get myself. I think this is the only film, maybe bar. Uh, pay dirt that I've struggled to get myself <laughs> up for watching, and it proved to be my my fears have proved to come to fruition. Can I just add? To, can I just add to this though? The fact is that there's some great people involved. If you think about it, you've got Michael Crichton who wrote and directed it, and anyone who's anyone who's seen Westworld know knows what a stonking amazing you know great film that is. And then it, um, similarities. There's certainly similarities yeah. with that film and this yeah. film, uh, but yeah, I think West Westworld is uh, executed much much more confidently. The cast as well. I mean, the fact is that you know, poor Tom Selleck. He famously, of course, he turned down Indiana Jones because of Magnum scheduling, and then Magnum PR TV scheduling, and then which Magnum actually got delayed. He could have been Indiana Jones, which would have changed that franchise completely. Thank God for Magnum PI. <laughs> and then if you if you go to and then he, he gets a break in scheduling to make this film and they churn this film out. And that's I think that's what comes across when you watch, it, isn't it? It's that you've got it seems rushed in places yeah. and it it's a bit confused about what it wants to be. I mean Michael Crichton said he wanted to make a cops and robbers film. And uh, but it really doesn't it comes across the automation of you know like similar to Westworld like you know the automation of our societies is dangerous and they may turn that's what it comes across rather than a cops and robbers yeah uh, and is, you know, w- one of the other themes throughout the film is the the um, uh, Jack Ramsey character played by uh, Selick he he's always wanting to do things kind of himself or like in, mm. and he's instead of the robots performing these functions apart from a couple of things like uh, childcare. But we'll maybe talk about that later. But there's a scene where he takes a he takes a bullet, an explosive bullet out of his out of his partner's arm, and oh, his God, chief yeah. is telling him to yeah. uh, you know send the robot in. Can we mention who the chief is? Oh, the chief, the chief, yeah, the chief. Um, 1984, G. W. Yeah. Bailey, of course. And this same year, he um... Harris. You know, Mahoney. I'd like to spend the next month breaking you into little pieces. He played Harris in Police Academy One. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so uh, very, and it's kind of he strikes a similar chord, really, doesn't he? I don't think he was, he's not really been asked to differ too much from what he what he did in Police Academy. That was the same year as well, wasn't it? Police Academy, I think eighty four. So, Correct. Uh, yeah. yeah, I'm not really... sure which one was first, but again, Lee, you were talking you were talking about films in competition in nineteen eighty four. I mean, that w- that was another one. 
Police Academy would have been uh, would have been a, a, a big was a big hitter for 1984 as well. Yeah, to give UW Bailey credit, he really spreads his wings when he plays a, a security guard in Mannequin. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't get typecast at all, not no. at all. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, it's also you know, he's, you know, was this before Flight of the Navigators? So his son is played yeah, by yeah, uh, yeah his son's two, played by Joey. Yeah, yeah. 80, uh, Eighty-six yeah. for Flight of the Navigators. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's played by Joey Kramer, who goes on to play, you know, he plays Bobby Ramsey and. Uh, and then you've also got, um, you know, his new partner in it. You've got Kirstie Alley in it as well. It's quite an early role for her. She plays the love interest of, uh, well, the ex-mole of uh, Dr. Charles Luth, who's the bad guy, played by Gene Simmons in his first film role as well. But uh, um, Jack Ramsey's got the uh, kind of got the hots for her as well, hasn't he? He's, uh, he the first thing he says about her is, oh, she's, uh, she's quite attractive. He, he goes in there to kind of rescue her from this malfunctioning robot, but actually he's just trying to... You know, he could have sent her again. He could have sent a robot in, but no, he's a bit like uh, the character from the Doctor from Halloween Three. He's just going in there because he's trying to, you know, he's trying to score. <laughs> he's trying to get laid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah and it's, 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 I mean, this later in the film, but this um, they scan uh, Kirstie Alley for bugs, don't they? Later in the film, because they, they don't trust her, and yes. it's a really gratuitous. Uh, to, and and they really drag it out, don't they? Can you take your coat off? Can you take your skirt off? Can you take your dress off. The bit where they found the bug in the bra, I really did expect them to do like a sort of porky's, you know, bra reveal kind yeah. of cheesy. It kind of, it, yeah, it, it set up to be a really gratuitous <clears throat> shot, and then you, you don't see anything. Uh, I, I was, I was half expecting Kirstie Alley to, uh, to at least get a get a tits out, you know, but um, alas, no. We do get boobs later on, don't we? We um, do, but it's some random know. extra in the background, isn't it? Um, that's, you know, which is fine. That's fine. But, uh, yeah. It's, we'll it's take what we doc- get, you know. We'll take yeah, it. One of, yeah. do- one of Dr. Charles Luther's uh, many women, which is actually probably similar to, uh, I don't know, what, what's his name in Kiss? Is he Star Child or Star Man or... Uh, is, so he's something, a Power Man or something? <laughs> I can't remember what he's called in Kiss, but you, you, everyone knows him for his long tongue. And we were all saying it. We said this actually about the film. He doesn't use his tongue in the film, does he? He doesn't no. once yeah. like wave his tongue at a victim or or you know threaten <laughs> threaten, threaten to lick <laughs> threaten to lick Jack Ramsey's son or something. He doesn't no. do it. <laughs> and why why is he not engaged? Why is, why does he never like suffer some kind of like cartoonish explosion that just accidentally kind of plasters like black and white? makeup onto his face you know so he look, just kind of a a knowing nod to his um his rock and roll roots it doesn't happen it's, you know missed opportunity there i mean it's because it's uh, michael Crichton. he he he's he hits the nail on the head doesn't he with future predictions of technology Very I, mean, I, I, yeah. I made a little list uh, i mean he, he, some of the things he predicts he predicts drones um, you know, yep. float, float, flying cameras, Alexa. They call them uh, floater cameras, which sounds like something you'd use yeah. in sewage yeah. <laughs> detection. Down the bog. There's also, um, <laughs> it's like an Alexa type system, isn't it? But it's a bit even more advanced than that because it's lowest. You like, can, can play your music and she can also put your son to bed and do all the childcare for you because uh, <laughs> you don't have to do anything. He seems quite happy with Lois. Like uh, when he, I think Thompson asks him about his wife and she, she, he just says, oh, she died. I'm sorry I didn't know. Oh, it was a couple of years ago. Car crash. Oh. But Lois is a big help. You know, it's just like nonchalant. I've got Lois now. You know. I've got Lois now. It's fine. No problem. 
maybe Lois has a sex mode, maybe, I don't know, maybe an extra port at the back or something. I don't now, know. interesting you mentioned that, Lee, because this is something I thought about. There's a, there's like the um, rather generic scene later on in the police station. You know, it's in every film from the 60s, 70s and 80s probably where it's just a general scene of chaos inside a police station. It's like full of, full of <laughs> prostitutes being being rounded up and brought in, as, as mm. you see in many, many films. Mm. But I thought, actually... If the robots are supposed to be providing these new labor save labor saving devices, surely, surely people would be, you know, they they wouldn't be using humans for their uh, sexual gratification, would they? They they'd be using these um, these little uh, oven looking things and microwave things on wheels that turn up in this film. These are self self cleaning <laughs> ovens. <laughs> I'm just putting it out there. What, what, what do you think? Because I I I thought the the machines that we saw, especially early on. Um, they look a bit. They look really kind of dated. They they look like kind of micro, microwave ovens. And I'm pretty sure I owned Lois as a hi-fi in the 1980s. Yeah, I'm pretty pretty sure. Every machine in it, apart from the maybe the, you know, also Doctor Charles Luth has these killer spiders, which look like the hex robots. If anyone has kids out there, those little hex things you can buy, put a battery, and they look exactly like them. And these killer robots, which inject acid and then explode on your chest. But everything else in it looks like a square box, doesn't it? It, is it a does. Perfect. And actually, harking back to a, another previous podcast, Silent Running, yeah. I don't know if you thought, if either you thought this, but the, the, the robots we encounter early in the film, that are the, yeah, the kind of the household ones, they, they kind of reminded me of the robots, you know, the Huey, Dewey and Louie from... Uh, Side running a little bit, but just with less personality. That scene, I, I was worried at that scene because is that bit where they kind of do this comedy leap in the air on the the robot, like a little kind oh. of rabbit jump. Yeah, Lee, do you, do you like, mean oh, the no. you mean the slaps kind of slapstick opening? Yeah, the slapstick. Just, was, yeah, oh, that, no. I think that might have been the thing that threw me off just from the start. Here I'm expecting like a serious science fiction. Yeah, the opening scene's just really odd. And uh, when they go after the first runaway in the coal field. Yes. So the yeah. first, yeah, first yeah. runaway is in the coal field, and uh, he yeah, and he, he yeah, and it's a big joke, isn't it? They're like all oh, the farmers, the redneck farmers, are gathered around the field laughing at how I think I blacked it out, but it's you know yeah. because it's that jarring, but it's like something from Smokey and the Bandit, and it's uh, you know it's totally out of place in this film. It was you know when you start playing a film, you think, have I put the right film in here? Am I watching the right thing? And of course, you know you see the tash. The, the laser and you think okay yes this is this is runaway but it's just not what i was expecting for like the the opening scene of the film and uh why do they have to get like a cop in to do that because literally all he does is just jumps on the robot i mean i know <laughs> later on in the film they say uh, oh our insurance won't cover it well get better insurance you know that's not my problem <laughs> yeah, that's not know? the job of the police so surely the police wouldn't be covered either don't um, you think um that's the big total thing with the thing that, that um, there's parts where you think you're watching a you know proper cinematic film, and then it goes really TV, doesn't it? Just like, TV you know, like, even yeah. I thought I thought the climax, which is you know setting out the kind of high rise that's under construction, oh, yeah. I thought yeah. that should have looked really grand, and you know you could have you should really kind of be able to feel being up there and you know feel his fear, and I didn't feel anything at all. It's just really kind still, of, yeah. flat. Yeah. yeah, it's a shame really. Because like you said, there are lots and lots of good ideas floating around in this, and they, they they just none of them seem to kind of connect or hit. One thing I did think hit was the um, the score by Jerry Goldsmith. Um, normally, he's yeah, yeah. he's well known for like his orchestral scores, but this one was unusual for him because it was um, quite uh, synth- synthesizer based. Yeah. yeah, and it was really interesting to hear hear him doing that. So I think this it's one of those where you'd probably 
pick up a copy of the score on vinyl or something, and you'd, you'd quite, be quite happy with that. But then you, you, you know, you did he do Ram- Was it Rambo? Rambo, he did, yeah, and did various Rambo. Star Trek as well, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Supergirl was one of his. That's another great score, and loads and loads and loads of really, really good films and, and good scores. Yeah, I mean, for a relatively, you know, they invested eight million in this, and for for that budget, they, they took big risks with the actors, didn't they? I mean, Kirstie Alley is shocking. She's, she's <laughs> yeah, she's so wooden. Yeah, yeah. The best scene she has in it is when she gets killed, and then even when she she can't even play dead well, she gets stabbed in the back of the head by Doctor Luffy. Says good night, baby, and then like <laughs> she's she's she, she's lying in a fountain, and she can't even do that very well. And then you've got good night, got, sucker. <laughs> he was using yeah. sucker quite a bit as well. It's very eighties. <laughs> you've also you've also got you've got Gene Simmons, you know. But, you know, bless him. He's like, you know, apart from growling and staring and glaring, that's all he does. And then you've also got um, the lady, you know, the least known actress from uh, Dirty Dancing. He's like playing his new partner. Mm. She, she's stiff as anything as well. Dirty um, Rhodes was, um, yeah, she was only in a few films. Not long after Dirty Dancing, she actually retired yeah. from the business completely. Yeah, she was definitely in um, Staying Alive with John Travolta, yeah. Yeah. which was directed by yeah. Stallone. And I think, I think off the back of that, she must have made this. I mean, it doesn't look like she's her career has been peppered with uh, many hits. I mean, like Dirty Dancing was a hit, but um, yeah, she wasn't the kind of the lead. So Tom's lead Tom's got his work. I mean, Tom is the regular actor. He's got his work cut out, hasn't it? I mean, he, he's not. He also he plays it. You know the way Tom Selleck plays everything. He, he plays it very relaxed and matter of fact, doesn't it? And, that, and that sometimes that doesn't work. You know, when he's like, you know, like you said, the, the end sequence, when he's, fa- he's facing his fears, his son's life's on the head, you know, in the balance, and he's got to go up against these killer spiders and a crazed madman. And he's so relaxed, isn't he? He's just so, it's just like a day Almost in the park. Old. It's like Horizontal. the Des Lynam the Des Lynam effect. Uh, you know, it's he's, he's the moustache. <laughs> yeah. You're just so relaxed yeah. about everything. So, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, Lois is looking after the kid. Oh, what? He's been kidnapped. Okay, well, we'll see what we can do about that. Yeah. <laughs> it's it, it, a very, very relaxed attitude to uh, parenting. There's a point near the end where he's, he's hanging from a lift about 400 feet up in the air. And even that, he's not, he's not that. He's not that phased, is he? He's he's got no. he's like a he's like a parkour run. He's like got amazing upper body strength. He can just balance himself and hold himself. It does uh, rip a scene from Vertigo, doesn't it? With that spinning staircase, it's very much like Vertigo. That bit, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. It's, again, it's an unfortunate kind of nod to another film that you think. Oh, I wish I was watching much that better one. Film. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, always pick always pick films like that carefully, which you know. Um, which film? It's like Pay Dirt kept talking about the Bond films. <laughs> You're like, uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, should I get the Living Daylights on? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> should we talk about um, some of our favourite scenes? So one of my favourite scenes is, well, there's a couple of favourite scenes in this. It's actually, you've got the sergeant, you know, you've got Jack Ramsey. He keeps on assuring these witnesses who were on the run from Dr. Charles Lou because they're like, they're involved with him. So the first one is this guy who's basically got, who came up with the blueprint and everything for the, um, the chips and also came up with the blueprint for these homing bullets and he's telling jack ramsey i can't go out on the street if i go out on the street i'll be killed and then jack like assures him no you'll be okay and he yeah, you know, he's, he's so relaxed he's so chilled out he's like yeah yeah you'll be fine no i'll be all right don't worry i'll take you i'll look after you and even <laughs> even after the heat-seeking uh, bullet has found found his way into the into yeah. the spinal column of uh yeah. of um that character he's still not bothered he doesn't care 
the character doesn't yeah. care, doesn't show any kind of register any emotion. Um, Speaking of the heat seeking uh, bullets, this these are the slowest heat seeking bullets known to man, aren't they? They're about the speed of a cameraman can run down a down a gunnel. Tom, you doesn't know, Tom Selleck a... actually outrun one at one point? He's kind of behind him and then he kind of runs <laughs> ahead of it and ducks out of the way. He keeps. He looks round. I counted it. He looks round about six or seven times. There's a there's a bullet coming for you. You know what's behind you. Just keep running. I don't, yeah, I don't understand why he's keeps doing it. Yeah, yeah. Is it a bullet? I'm not sure. Um, a, there's a bit where there's a bit where he does a handover where he hands up, he, he swaps his partner. No, he swaps. He, he's got um, Doctor Charles Luther's girlfriend, uh, Jackie. So he's got Jackie, and Doctor Charles Luther has his partner, um, uh, Karen. And it, they're swapping over it at a busy, crowded restaurant. And as they do, and then, of course, um, Dr. Chasley for starts shooting. And he, is he stuck because he realises he hasn't got the microchips he wanted, he hasn't got the blueprint of the film. And the bullets suddenly become really inaccurate, don't they? Like in all the other scenes, in all the other scenes, the bullets went around corners, they, they jumped over fences, they ordered a meal from McDonald's, they went, <laughs> and then they landed <laughs> in time. But in this scene, the bullets just go straight into a table. Don't, I, I don't understand why... Well, you know, but didn't they say something that they can be programmed to match the the heat signature of of an individual? So maybe these weren't programmed or something. Maybe they it pre-programmed some. I don't know. I'm trying to defend the film here, but yeah, I, I think it does explain right. that at some point. There's there's the character of um, kind of Selick sidekick who's very office bound. I can't remember the actor's name. Um, He's quite a likable character. He probably should have got a bit more screen time, really. And there's one scene that where he gets like his Atari, Atari computer printout of like you know heat heat seeking. Uh... Okay, it's the exposition. It's the exposition bit where they opened up the bullet. Jack, look at this. The back half is all solid propellant. There are different valves for directional control. The nose, it's all electronic. You've heard of a bullet that has your name on it? Well, this one really does. And you can program it to go after a certain person. And what's the signature? I don't know, man. I've tried everything. Movement, light, shape. I don't know. I gotta know, Marvin. Yeah, I know you gotta know. I'm doing my best, okay? But it's tricky. And yes. uh, it, the character's called Marvin. And he, sa- and he says to, he says to Jack, he says, this is the exact line. He says, do you remember how uh, they used to put bullet? They used to say bullets have a name on it, can have your name on them? Well, this one does. <laughs> <laughs> exactly like that. And he doesn't explain the technology behind it. He just says, basically, if it's got your name on it, if it's programmed for you, you're going to die. And it, it doesn't um, doesn't Doctor Charles Luther ring up the police station to say, "I've got a bullet with your name on it." He, he pretty much so he has got heat seeking bullets for 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 Tommy Boy, but they don't work. Um, what, I mean, my, some of my favourite scenes were um, some of the dialogue delivery, especially of Luther. There's a couple of scenes I noticed where so so for Luther the, the first one I noticed was the the scene just before he escapes from the top of the building the helicopter mm-hmm. and he he has this line of dialogue just before he escapes he has to really kind of get it in quickly he goes now kiss your ass goodbye and then like runs off <laughs> he really delivers it fast <laughs> and then uh, there's one near the end that he says as well where I think it's where he's just about to. He's just about to do away with Kirsty Alley near that kind of near the pool. He says, "Do you think I'm stupid, Ramsey?" And then he does it again. He kind of goes, "Nobody does that to me, nobody." And then you know, <laughs> runs off again or does does something. I can't remember. He, but his his dialogue delivery, it's like just slow it down. We, 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 there's no need, you know, to. Yeah. If you been to see Kiss live, maybe this is what they do. Like they go, "God gave rock and roll to you." Crazy, crazy nights. Here we go. And the other, th- the other dialogue delivery, apart from Gene Simmons's uh, very hurried 
um, delivery of, of some at lines precede action <laughs> is um, Tom Tom Selleck uttering the, the f bomb. I don't know if you caught that. Well, when, when's that bit? I think it's when his partner gets shot, or just before he's arguing with um, Captain Harris, and uh, yeah. he says, um, "Yeah, I can't remember the line of dialogue. It's terrible dialogue." But I, I, he he does drop he drops an f bomb in there. Hence the uh, hence the fifteen uh, fifteen rating. One of the reasons for a fifteen I thought, rating, I think. I thought it was a PG thirteen, but uh, well, PG thirteen in the states, and I think that that in the eighties, a PG thirteen could have had anything in it, really, like uh, you know, uh, yeah. breasts, um, <laughs> violence, all sorts, really. Do you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna do that in the future now when I insult people. I'm just gonna say it really fast. <laughs> <laughs> well, you could just get your ass go back. <laughs> <laughs> You're a complete dickhead. It's like when you're a kid. It's like when you're complete. It's when you're a child, isn't it? And you, and you, you're trying to be amusing by, you know, you know, you're going to get beaten up by someone, yeah. and so you go right up to them, say something really yeah. quickly, and then leg it. It just seems like that's what he's that's what he's doing in these line deliveries. Perhaps he was harking back to his childhood. My favorite bit of the movie really was uh, near the, the beginning of it with the. Uh, the sort of chain mail armor that uh, Ramsey wears, and that that big cod piece uh, outfit <laughs> that he's wearing, completely and unnecessary. He goes, he goes into the house to try to disarm this robot, and uh, the cameraman's just like following him with no armor at all. He's just completely in civvies, and, and Ramsey's happy oh, with yeah. the cameraman just to be following him around. Maybe he's predict- it reminded me a bit of cops, where they kind of got got a. A guy with a camera following around a cop in, in the house. Maybe that was predicting the uh, the cops yeah. TV show. Yeah, maybe. Perhaps I wonder if there's a show like yeah. that on in like early eighties um, American TV. Perhaps there was a there's a precursor to cops that was on. A, a, I don't know what it would have been. Yeah, maybe it's. Uh, and, and if there wasn't, then it's certainly another good you know prediction of uh, of things to come. As we said, it's quite it was it's quite an accurate film in terms of the te- some of the technology it depicts. Uh, so it's just a shame they couldn't really have capitalised on it a bit yeah. better and, you know, made a bit more of an interesting film out of it. I mean, Michael Crichton, Michael Crichton is a great researcher. I mean, I've, I've, I've read some of his books and uh, obviously he worked in, he was a doctor, wasn't he, for years? And that's why he, that side of the story is fine. But it's just unfortunate, the effects and, you know, the characters in the script and everything. And also, the, it's like he... He, he isn't sure what to do with it because he directs it, doesn't he? He doesn't usually he usually behind the camera. He's usually the writer alone, but he, he chooses to direct this one. I know he'd done Coma as well. I didn't know Tom Selleck was in Coma as well. I think it's only kind of a quite a smallish role because um, Tom Selleck actually before uh, before Magnum he was he'd been in things since the late no I think since about nineteen seventy he'd been in he'd had like odd bit parts in films but nothing really uh, major. It was really uh, getting the role in Magnum that. Um, Kind of cemented, cemented him there. Can we mention how um, how stupid and you know um, Doctor Charles Lee Frears? Because I, I, I was thinking about this. He's a doctor, which obviously takes years of qualifications and you know years of expertise, and he's had to be quite careful. And he doesn't once try to evade the police by like doing it, you know, legally, like you know, using lawyers or denying you know criminality. Just from minute one, he is shooting, isn't he? He does shoot. Just play it cool. No. Yeah, he, he, there's a good scene where I think the first witness he says, "No, no, I'm going to get shot." Who we talked about a little earlier. He, he kind of yeah. he positions himself. <laughs> Luther positions himself so that he can be seen just by just by the witness to kind of just 
very, very carefully just slightly pull pull the gun out from underneath his jacket so he could he kind of like oh, yeah. kind of smiling at him as if, yeah, this is what you're gonna get. But then the the two <laughs> Selick and the other copper don't don't spot this at all. Mm. Which so I'm I'm not sure how how good they are as uh, as cops really. I, I I don't think I don't think it, I, th- I think well, if you're on the runaway team, you're probably not the brightest, probably not the brightest spark. Um, no. Well, yeah, you basically there's no technological expertise. I mean, doesn't um, Jack say that he basically he said he did a couple of night classes yeah. and he kind of liked it, so he decided to join the department because um, you know he because he, he, he couldn't do police work anymore because of fear of heights. Is that a thing actually? Can you not be a policeman if you're afraid of heights? I don't. I'm not sure if that's a thing. No, I, I don't think so. No, flat feet maybe. He's not the brightest spark at all because he he turns up to that high, you know, like the uh, skyscraper that's having the construction work done, and there's a robot going crazy and throwing bags of cement off off the roof. Oh, yeah, one yeah. lands on the floor, but he kind of just stays stood in that spot where one's just landed and nearly gets hit. Well, you're right. He, get, again, he gets so hit twice. He gets hit twice by yeah, yeah. like you know the ex the exploding cement like covers him twice over. Um, you're right. He do, he's not someone who learns quickly. Jack Ramsey sounds like a character from Neighbours, doesn't he? Like you know the Australian soap opera. Um, it's also quite, you know a precursor to like Blue Bloods, which he does now. You know, wearing the tight police uniform for like in the future. It's because uh, he is the everyday. He's the, he plays that stage, that sage man, doesn't he? Like you can trust. He's the Mister Reliable, Mister Honest, the salt of the earth, and all that. Yeah. Uh, so, so I was reading about Tom Selleck for this, and uh, I didn't realize that when Charlton Heston died. He became uh, Tom became president of the NRA. I read that too. So, uh, yeah. So there's, there's a side to him. He's always a gun toter, and he, he advocates the, the use of safe use of uh, guns. No, we don't want to alienate our American listeners here, Rob. So. <laughs> responsible <laughs> use of guns. Yeah. Responsible use. Put them in a safe. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I'm pretty sure not not all our uh, American listeners, all all three of them. I'm sure they're not all um, advocates of own, owning uh, owning weapons. Uh, cultured cultured folk uh, follow follow the Manchester oh. Morgue uh, podcast. So uh, yeah, exactly. They've got posters of posters of Charlton Heston and Tom Selleck and whoever's the president now. But yeah, I mean, I, I watch Blue Bloods. You know, I'll give you that. And I've watched some of that. And he's, he has, I don't find you know in this film he's quite wooden. I don't find him generally a wooden actor. I think he's just he plays things very much one pace, doesn't he? Yeah, he's it's very. He's, he's um, been in a couple. He, he's effective in a couple of films that I've seen him in. And you know, granted, I haven't seen all his films. I think he's he's probably not chosen the films that he's done particularly wisely. But um, one film I remember him being in, which I which I really thought he was good in, was uh, one called An Innocent Man, which is kind of an action film from 1990, where he plays, um, mm. I think he's a cop again, but in that one he gets, um, oh no, he's not a cop, he, he's he's kind of a regular guy, and he gets framed by the police, by these bent, bent police, and he ends up spending some time in, uh, in jail, and in jail he has to kind of undergo these kind of trials and ordeals, and ends up having to kind of kill another inmate who's given him uh you know who's given him lots of grief and lots of trouble does he wear does he wear hawaiian shirts <laughs> yeah, in it? he doesn't know but that's that's definitely a good a good tom Selleck film again that one didn't that didn't um do well at the box office but um that's definitely worth seeking yeah. out and i think he's 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 effective in the first although it's not action it's uh you know three men and a baby the first one you know he's he's, he's i think he's he's good his relaxed demeanor kind of suits that film pretty well i was say i was imagining to myself as well that um you know because he he passed up on indiana jones if if in an alternate reality 
if uh, Harrison Ford and Tom Selleck's careers had swapped. And I was, I was trying to think, would that have affected each other's career? You know, how would those films perform? And I started imagining, like, he, he may have killed the the Indiana Jones franchise. I don't think Harrison Ford would have killed the Three Men and the Baby franchise. I think he, I think, I think Ford would have carried that off. Three Men and um, in Space, twenty twenty. <laughs> you know Still it's coming. Going. There was talk about a third one uh, five or six years ago, and I think it's probably come to nothing because. It's probably not going to be very good. I mean, the the second film was uh, was was dreadful in that. Series. I mean, the thing that killed that killed that franchise, uh, Stone Dead. Um, they come to England, don't they? It's so it's, yeah. and it's full of every cliche. It's horrible. Anyway, going back to this, we have to mention the um, the great uh, death sequence of Doctor Charles Luther, uh, which is a really stupid death. Uh, basically, he's programmed all these killer spiders, which filled with acid and explosives. Oh, can we talk about the killer spiders before they attack Luther? Because they they have things, <laughs> and they are they're deadly, aren't they? Yeah, they're instant. Yeah, basically, you don't have a chance if you see a killer spider; it jumps on you, it injects you with acid in your neck, and then it explodes. Uh, you see, like some innocent cops being killed in a la- lavatory. That's right. Yeah. So, um, so from what we know about the killer spiders, up until the end scene, anyway, they are they are deadly and they Ooh. they kill pretty instantaneously. But it's quite different yeah. because yeah. Um, in the last scene where Tom Tom's up in the uh, up in the high rise, first of all, he's attacked by these spiders, and for some reason they've got they've gone really slow and uh, really They're hesitant shy, and shy, <laughs> and they they've no interest in attacking him really. Uh, from the look of it, is this because they're aware that he's their arch nemesis? Because they they keep on saying that. Shush! The, the, these robots can hear us and they can listen to us on our frequency. So maybe they're they're meeting their idol, their kind of arch nemesis. You know, a bit coy. <laughs> they're you know? kind of frozen in fear at the thought of uh, thought of Jack Ramsey. It could be that, couldn't it? He's hanging on the he's hanging on the side of a lift, uh, a caged lift, is it? An open caged lift, and the, and the, all these spiders all over it. And they're just like, um, there's so many opportunities to kill him, isn't there? But like, they allow him to like bat a couple away, and they, they explode instantly, don't they? Just get to, uh, the acid burns to his face, doesn't he? Doesn't get away scot free. Oh. And th- this is a great special effect, isn't it? This is a great special effect. They put they slap on Tom Selleck's face, like uh, Rob. You mentioned the other day. You said they kind of look like uh, mutton chops, uh, which just been attached yeah, to his face. Like, yeah. yeah, these giant sideburns of acid. <laughs> Um, <laughs> he gets, he gets. He, of course, he, he doesn't. He doesn't get away scot free because he bumps into Doctor Charles Luther again, and it's a big bit of a fight on the lift, isn't there? And you know, you know the inevitable that uh, Charlie Boy is going to go over the side, don't you? He's going to go over the side of the lift. So he does. Obviously, he falls, and he falls quite dramatically. You think the fall would kill him, but it's not the fall, is it? He like he's laying on the floor, and all these little spiders, his slow spiders, come up to him, <laughs> and they all they molt at the same time. They inject him with loads of acid, and and then they start um, just that crawling around him, and they, they also fry him a little bit, don't they? Like because it's supposed well, to even, even with him. Even with him, that Runaway does a thing at the end where that they must have taken from you know the Friday the Thirteenth Halloween films, you know that were popular at the time, the slasher films, where you think the you think the killer's dead and done, but no, he yeah. kind of breathes back into life. So the spiders have been doubly useless on um, on Luther. They've just they've attacked him in number and completely failed to kill him. So I, I wonder what happened to the spiders. I've got to say, I was really disappointed with that scene because I expected. Like either a melted face, you know, Indiana Jones style, you know, melted face, with the acid, or or the tongue to come out. 
But that bit where he kind of leapt up like the Undertaker and screamed, it was it was kind of like something that belonged on the spoof reel, you know, or something. It was kind of like Completely. the two actors larking about. That that's that scene and the scene at the beginning that was like you know the the slapstick uh, scene in the cornfield, and um, I was reading that Michael Crichton wasn't kind of um, he he wouldn't direct the actors so much he'd allow a lot of improvisation. I wonder if that was just something that came yeah. out when you know Gene Simmons saying, "Oh yeah, we could do this, man." And uh... doesn't the camera the camera lingers as well? The camera lingers on the face for too long, and it's it's so telling, and it's like. Everything that, you know, if you think about the last scene of Carrie, um, the last scene of Carrie when she goes to her mother's grave in the hand, and you know, yes. that, even though you know it's, I've seen that so many times, and you know it's coming, but it still gets me. <laughs> and it's like, it's got back, like backward footage, don't it, to make it really yeah. creepy. And it still gets you, it still makes you jump, but nothing of this. No, more. and um, yeah, uh, I was just going to say as well as Carrie, um, Friday the 13th kind of copied the ending, but that ending's still effective. You kind of always forget, Whenever I watch Friday the Thirteenth Part One, I always forget that it's coming, and then yeah, it comes. Yeah, and you know, yeah. Oh crap! But yeah, with this yeah, one, it just yeah. looks like uh, yeah, it just looks like they're dicking about, doesn't it? And you know, goodness me, those spiders are shit. They are shit spiders. If only when he when he screamed, he said it. He said some quick insult as well. Get me out of here! Kiss me, ass, motherfucker. Ugh. Actually, it's only after that scream the spiders finally re- remember that they're supposed to explode, don't they? Because it's the scream, and then and then and then the camera pans away, and the body's like being burnt up. Yeah. And um, Tom Tom then begrudgingly gets off the lift at last with his traumatized son, and he runs into the arms. He doesn't run into the arms of his son. He runs into the arms of his partner. I think he's not even bothered. He's just kind of accidentally stumbled into the path of his son, so he's with him. You know, he's he's not he's not been looking for him or anything. I don't think he's been bothered about him really. He sends him down in the deadly lift a bit earlier. Yeah, you go down there, be fine. And then in front of his son, which is really uncomfortable, because just imagine this: in front of his son, he starts kissing Karen. And this is when the end credits start rolling. And, we, and I was talking about this with Lee the other day that that you know it's like those films where the they have live action during the, the credits and it's all the sparks of the building site and everything going on and the kiss is going on and the credits are rolling and uh not that I was perving or anything but i watched <laughs> i watched how long it went on for it, it must be five minutes i expected expected it to turn into that scene from team america where the sex scene where it's just kind of a prolonged kind of different positions and Kind of the rest of the cats clapping on and cheering or something. It just, it just seems so out of place and so over the top. This kind of five minute makeout session. I mean, Tom really got his worth there, didn't he? Yeah. He did. He did. And it's like you know, it's like Michael Crichton had already given up on the film and said, "Oh, I don't know. Just kiss, just kiss and kiss and what should we do now? Kiss." <laughs> perhaps it's a perhaps it's a knowing tribute to uh, their their co star. Perhaps it's some kind of subtle or not so subtle uh, reference. Um, so um, there's a, there's a, there's another angle which I I've got in my notes here which I've, I've not mentioned so far was um, did you notice mm. that the the servant robots are all female um, yes and yeah. also at the end before Tom and and Cynthia Rose start to start to passionately kiss one of the things he asks her is can you cook. <laughs> So it's, oh, he does, yeah. it's very, very nineteen eighty four. I'm not sure you'd get, you know, Scarlett Johansson or uh, uh, who else, Margot Robbie, uh, being asked a question like that in a in a film from 
2020. Yeah, this gentle, gentle racism in the police station from the chief, G.W. Bailey says, I've got two dead cops and two dead... I think he, uh, it's an insult for... Oh, is it... Um... Yeah. Italians, is it Guineas? Guineas. Yeah, it's Guineas. It's, I think it's That's Italians, it. isn't it? Like two dead cops and two dead Guineas. That's it, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, um, yeah. so That's... Tom's obviously got a very, um, Jack Ramsey's always got a very fixed idea of the kind of female he wants in his house, kind of robotic, subservient, uh, able to cook, child rear, you know, so that he can go out and just go about his, uh, his daily business of uh, being <laughs> calm okay. and relaxed. Yeah, yeah. He, 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 when the robots are malfunctioning, he doesn't think twice about, you know, taking Lois out of the house, does he? Or turning Lois no. off. He just keeps, he, just, he still leaves him alone. And can we yeah. mention the scene where to take out one of the robots? We discussed it a little earlier in our, in our pre record chat, but I can't remember which, I don't think it's the scene where Kirstie Alley has a malfunctioning robot. Maybe it is. But one robot. Um, Ramsey dispatches by throwing a towel over it and then smashing it to pieces with like a stool. I thought, this is, yeah. is, is this a future? It's like a photocopier, uh... isn't it? Gone rogue. And he, yeah, he throws his jacket <laughs> yeah. over it and he's trying to zap yeah. oh, there's In that scene, there seems to be like a bit, little bit of sped up footage as well. You know, when he's, he's like crawling around on the floor, it seems like speed, the film seems sped up, like to make him like he was crawling faster. It just looked a bit weird. Um, it's very getting, TV movies. Definitely, definitely. Little tricks like that. It's supposed to be like a you know quite a large budgeted Hollywood movie, and uh, you've got sped up. I'd love to see it remade. Can you imagine it remade if they had like mega budget, you know, like ridiculous budget. Now what they could do? I mean, it probably would become more of a robot movie, wouldn't yeah. it? Unless you know the, the cops and robbers thing, it would be all about the technology. You know what they could make now? But um, if it, what they could make now is the the same thing they've done with Westworld uh, is. It would probably make a, a half decent TV show. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. The the idea. I mean, I, I wouldn't put Tom Selleck in it now, but I think it's it's certainly something that they could reactivate and uh, run away with. Can we say that you could? <laughs> can we say that if you had a drinking game for this film, you and every time you said "Runaway," you did a shot, you would be absolutely leveled. You would be in a you'd be in a coma because they. It's I like films where they say the name of the film often. Like you know, you don't get Indiana Jones saying, "Now I'm in the Temple of the Doom." Um, but <laughs> but in this film, it's in this film every few minutes they say "Runaway," don't they? We've got You've a never heard of the Runaway no, drinking no. game. No, I'd love to. <laughs> uh, you haven't lived, and the uh, next time you watch it, if if you ever do, then then that's the thing you need. I think that's a very good idea. Actually, get a bottle of tequila ready, and then and then sit down and watch Runaway. Contestants have to wear fake moustaches and Hawaiian shirts and every time they say runaway. With a kind of a line scraped down the middle of them. Uh, every time that uh, the doctor does a stare, you have to down down a bottle of vodka or something. Oh, God. Oh, jeez. I mean, did Gene Simmons die on anything else? Because I didn't look on him. Yeah, the, yeah, so him. the story on Gene Simmons was he, he was kind of, he wasn't out of Kiss, but he, he wanted to try some acting so he, he you know he took classes from yeah. the from the early 1980s and he'd had a couple of offers yeah. from other films that were uh, i can't remember one of them was a musical and the other one was a, a comedy with dan Aykroyd called dr detroit and he'd been offered parts in those but he, he turned them down because he said no i want to do some serious acting i don't want to do comedy or, or musicals and so this was and you know he's i think he's he's not he's not bad in the film like you say he's one of the film he's one of the few things in the film you think 
Okay, yeah, interesting, yeah. interesting villain. I, I don't think they give him a lot uh, to work with. To be fair, we don't really know much about him, or we never kind of really give him much about his, um, you know, his backstory. Yeah, someone who commit murder, murder in in broad daylight in front of about fifty people. Like you say, as a character, he makes some idiotic decisions. Um, the police are on straight away. It's only because they're so inept that they. Uh, <laughs> Into a photo fit by the computers at yes. the beginning, and it's, oh, it's yeah. like a really three like D. It's like an animated. <laughs> uh, it's like Lionel Richie's head sculpture. It's like, it sort of looks like Gene Simmons, but not. I quite. think his other notable 1980s credit is there's a, a, a an action film from 1987 called uh, Wanted Dead or Alive with Rutger Hauer, and um, mm. he's he oh, plays yeah. the villain in that. He's like um, I think he's like uh, um, he's like an Arab terrorist. So uh, you know he does oh, the whole really? blackface thing, and uh, and he's 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 good in that. If uh, if I remember correctly, I haven't seen that film for a long time, but yeah, he's uh, he, he does a good villain, and a few other parts here and there. I mean, we we went to see they did a kiss a kiss film, didn't they? We went to see it at the cinema a kiss related film, Detroit Rock City. I think he was he was behind that. Um, yeah, I think he might have been in it. He's probably well, he must have been in it at some point. Yeah, a few scattered yeah. credits here, but yeah, it, it, no, nothing that really kind of. Uh, Stuff. There's not enough for really a box set. The Gene, the no. Gene Simmons <laughs> Criterion Collection, uh, long, the long de- delayed release. <laughs> no, yeah, no, I don't think that's happening. Yeah, so Rob, you talked about the budget early being eight million. Um, I don't really know if that was a lot. I, I guess it was kind of a reasonably substantial budget for 1984. Um, Columbia in the same year who released this would have would also release uh, Ghostbusters, which I guess probably had a similar. Similar budget, yeah. But yeah, the box office for this, I couldn't find a worldwide figure, but for the US, it recouped uh, 6.7 million. And I'm guessing it would have got something similar back worldwide. But I think where this money, uh, where this film probably made its money, was as I said, it was such a um, kind of a a common, regularly seen VHS title that I think it probably, it must have scored quite a lot of its income back on on VHS rentals back back in the, Kind of the heyday of the 80s yeah. of going down the video shop. Um, so, but certainly, mm. I, I think the, the studio would have expected quite a bit more from this. May, maybe not, I don't think they had the confidence in it to, to push it, but I think they would have expected a bit more than, the, than that. But per, perhaps v, uh, the VHS release might have, uh, might have saved it. I don't know. Mm. Well, Michael Crichton, it probably it probably hit him, you know, hard at the time. I'm sure it did because he'd had some, you know, quite success on it. But um, of course, he you know he gets later success by being the writer of Jurassic Park and what those films. That's right. Yeah. So what's it gonna be, boys? Does this one rot in the morgue or make it on the helicopter to freedom? Yeah, I'll start where I came from this, and uh, I'm sorry, Lee, that I put you through it, but um, it, it it's one of those films like that you had uh, when we did. Uh, uh, which film was it now where you seen it as a child it was a summit money yeah so it's it similar to that that I'd, I'd seen this film a long time ago and a long time ago your image your blurry memory my blurry memory was killer spiders <laughs> and heat seeking bullets and tom running around uh, taking them out um and then when i came back to it 30 years later it's not quite that <laughs> and it it, it is it's dull in parts. It is dull. I mean, Carol's saying it's a snooze fest, and it, it, it there are parts where it, it does drag, and you want uh, a bit more pace and a bit more character development, and uh, and Tom plays it just a bit too cool for school. Um, so 
the decision about the morgue, unfortunately, yeah, Sergeant Jack thinks he's just getting out and then he gets he gets his foot bitten off and he's <laughs> and he's uh, he's infected and he's got a guy he's got to spend the rest of his life in the morgue with a uh, killer robots. So yeah, it's morgue for me. I would say that it was a movie for me that I would I would I probably would turn off if I didn't have to watch it. I would probably turn it off after fifteen minutes. You should you should have turned it off. It's an interesting <laughs> premise for a movie. I think something like I Robot explored this in a more modern movie in two thousand and four. This kind of premise of, of robots going astray, but. Obviously, I, I expect from Selleck a bit of charm, but he wasn't that charming in this movie. He was, came across as a bit of a perv and a bit of a sort of a dreadful dad as well. But I think the movie, probably the biggest takeaway positive of the movie is the tech that it predicted, the drones, the all the things we went through yeah. with the review. But it's not one that's going to live long in the memory. I can see why it's a cult movie. I can see kind of the, the spiders and the robotic spiders and... And Gene Simmons over over overacting, why it would it would uh, garner the uh, cult status? But for me, yeah. it fully belongs in the morgue, and maybe the Doctor gets away in a in a helicopter, but gets taken out by one of his heat seeking uh, bullets at the end. <laughs> his slow bullets. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I, 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 I suppose what I say now is is, is irrelevant. But um, if uh, I don't know positives from this film. Yeah, interesting ideas. Uh, some of them, very, lots of them, very prescient. Um, the score by Jerry Goldsmith was uh, was interesting. Uh, a, a, a kind of synthesizer mm. score from him, which I, I quite enjoyed. Uh, kind of belongs in a better film. Um, I think really though, the I, I think th- this film had so much promise. I think I'm I'm probably extra disappointed in it um because it didn't it kind of didn't match didn't live up to it i think that there were some opportunities that 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 were missed a bit of inconsistency with you know what the robots do and all the robots look like ovens or washing machines or microwaves and um they did they didn't seem very sophisticated i wonder how sophisticated they would have seemed back in uh back in the day so i i think really i think i was i was the thing that makes this film worse, possibly, is that it it had a lot of promise and it, it didn't really do, it didn't deliver on it. Selick seems un unfocused in this film. I, I wonder if a better director might have, you know, fair play to Michael Crichton. He's a he, he's a great writer, and Rob, you mentioned before, he researches material really well, which he does. And um, but as as a film director, I wondered if I wonder if a better director. I'm thinking of someone like uh, Peter Yates, who directed him in uh, Innocent Man, which is a film we talked about earlier. Um, could could have could have like wrung a good performance out of him here, and I, I really don't know. But we we mentioned as well the tight schedule for this film. It was kind of they had to film it on the not on the fly, but you know in, in two or three months between a series of Magnum. So it does in place. Yeah. It does seem rushed and uh, perhaps a little ill thought out, or you know the, the things are, are, are un, under undercooked or perhaps a bit a bit underwritten. Um, so. Without going on too much more, for for me, this one, I'm afraid the morgue is, let's say the morgue is a series of Magnum, is the next series of Magnum. And I'm afraid Tom, you, you know, he's, he's tried to step out, step out into the into the big cinematic leagues, but I'm going to have to send him back to the morgue, a.k.a. the next series of Magnum or the next six or seven series, whatever it was. And uh, I'm sorry, this yeah. one, this one for me has, has to go to the uh, morgue slash 
next series for Magnum. He's got to go back into the arms of Higgins. Higgins is waiting for him. Higgins is waiting for him with open arms. And I think the TV viewing, TV viewing public probably were as well at this point. So yeah, fair play. I think, I think every, no, no one comes out of it too badly, but uh, the film, yeah, it's, it's, it's not quite, it's not as good as I remember it. And I, I remember thinking, uh, you know, 20 years ago, it was, it was okay. <laughs> it's, it's not that good. No, it's not aged. It's, it, it joins, it joins pay dirt and the fanatic and, um, in the morgue. Didn't we send something else to the morgue? <laughs> or is, 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 it, is it just pay dirt? And... Did, did Over the Top Escape? No, Over the Top I went I, in I, because, I, Rob, you liked it. You, you tried to save it, but yeah. I think me and Lee might have sent it in. Yeah, we may, we may have to research that one. So it joins such luminaries as pay dirt, the fanatic, yeah. Over the Top. The next episode is going to be an interesting one because it's going to be the Christmas episode. I like this. And I think we should yeah. a drunk drunken christmas jolly merry because christmas is a time for being merry and jolly let's do the the drunk cast episode let's do the drunk cast and to be honest we need we need all the help we can get because i don't know if leah rob did you see the uh the christmas day uh christmas period tv schedulings from bbc one that were that were publicized the other day what what an absolute nightmare so we need we need all the help we can get. It's pretty much Mrs. Brown, Mrs. Brown's boys and Miranda and repeats of the Gruffalo. Kung Fu Panda one, Kung Fu Panda three. Dunkirk. I wasn't a huge fan of Dunkirk actually. I thought it was. I haven't seen Dunkirk, but I tell you what, it's not the film I want to be watching on Boxing Day night. It, you know, I think there's a time and a place for watching Dunkirk, and a festive holiday. He's not. He's not the time. Not. No, bad choice. Bad choice for me. Instead, we'll get through the Christmas holidays by watching uh, lots of uh, our own weird choices. Of That's Christmas it. Get, films, get the Blu-rays uh, out. Get the get the streaming services going. Get the Blu-rays out. You can you can work through your own collections. If you are a regular listener, we've got some crackers coming up. So, uh, I don't, pardon the pun, but we do have some uh, good, quite good fun ones. So, uh, yeah, join us. In we should probably also point out that we we did run run the competition to win the 4K edition of um, Bill and Ted. Uh, face and music but the release the release date um has been been put back to early 2021 so we have we we have had a competition winner and um that's that's one of our so we we, we've decided winner but it it might be a while for before we are able to um send a copy on to you so uh just just hang fire yeah lee lee you you mentioned it was a drunk bod uh drunk Uh, podcast (laughs) a a drunk (laughs) podcast next a drunk podcast um did you mention the film? Have I, have I lost my mind? Did you mention the film? Or I'm tempted to go for Lampoon, National Lampoon, because it's one of my... Oh, please, oh Christmas yeah. Vacation? So, yeah. Yeah. Christmas wow. Vacation. You, you can't go wrong with a bit of Christmas Vacation. And funnily enough, it's a film I've not seen. I've not seen for a little while. I've been kind of with Elf and Fred Claus and some of the other ones, but yeah. Should be good. Yeah, Christmas Vacation, then. It's great, yeah. And I look forward to I'm going to watch it with, uh, with one eye on the pod. This time, so I've seen it so many times. You can watch the yeah, version with the S bomb or without. With, um, <laughs> I was going to say the the F bomb version's probably the twelve rated one, and there's a PG version knocking around, which which eliminates it. It's got Leonard from a Big Bang Theory in it, hasn't it? That actor plays his son. Plays oh, is that uh, right? Yeah, I did. Yeah, and it's uh, yeah, you'll you'll recognise some oh, of the yeah. famous people. I know people who you're talking about. Yeah, the one with the glasses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. and I think. Um, Oh, who plays the daughter? It's Juliette Lewis. Oh, early role for Juliette yeah. Lewis. So we'll say we'll say we'll wrap this one up and uh, thanks for listening again. And 
yeah um tune in next time next time we, it's going to be a good one so um if we sound quite different next time it's because we will be getting oh, we'll, we'll be all mancunian <laughs> next time we'll be much more mancunian than we normally are next week okay. yeah, <laughs> yeah so if you can't understand us well we may have to put subtitles on and that's not possible because it's not a visual medium we'll but we may have to anyway <laughs> we and, may... Uh, see how that goes <laughs> good stuff okay okay bye-bye bye-bye bye everybody